On today's episode, we will be discussing UKC Youth Coonhound programs, the upcoming Youth Nationals event, and the positive effects these programs have on the future of the sport. We'll wrap up the episode with a deep dive into the questioning procedure in relation to UKC Coonhound night hunts. Stay tuned. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops Podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. So you, you just got Winston back from down in Tennessee, right? Have you got to squirrel hunt any of this this spring or summer yet? Not much. I took him out a time or two, but not as not as much as I'd like to. Gosh, yeah. he's he's always raring to go, but I just don't get to get him out as much as I'd like to. Yeah, this is one of my favorite times of the year to hunt, and in Michigan's a little different than Tennessee with the quiet season. Um, obviously, on public land is shut down completely, but I don't have yeah. a lot of private land to hunt on right now, so it's not a lot of hunting going on on my end either. Yeah, our target date up here in Michigan is July eighth. That's I always remember that. That's right. I got right. it. I'm gonna save it on my calendar when I wake up that morning. I may have to call out and just go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Last year it was July 9th. I took a day off work and I headed for the UP. Took my rabbit dogs up there on the first day, or, or actually the second day, I guess. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. Uh, I'll be your host today, Trevor Wade. I'm the Coonhound Program Manager here, and I'm joined by the Director of the Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. Thanks for being here, Alan. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, today, we're going to d- uh, start out discussing a couple of youth programs that you're probably really familiar with, because I think you had a big hand in implementing a few of these, and, and I've seen them grow and work in different ways. Uh, but the one that's fresh on my mind right now is the Next Generation Spotlight Series. And this is a series that's uh, sponsored by Bright Eyes Lights. They're a big part of our youth, in all of our youth programs here. Uh, uh, a big sponsor of ours on those events, and they, they really help out with the youth. Uh, the Spotlight Series, it, it just ran from June 1st to May 31st of this year. So it's, it's fresh on our minds, the Spotlight Series. Uh, were, were you here when it was uh, first started, that series? Yeah, I, I was. And we... Uh, it, I don't remember all the details of it, and I'm going to say it's been at least, it's probably longer than I think it has been, but it, I'm going to say it's a good six to seven, eight years already that it's been running. But the idea was to try to, uh, every every state has a state championship, and we wanted to have some events where you could double up on points. Kids could double up on the points they earn, and we thought the best way to do that was do it at the state championships where everybody has equal opportunity you know, in their state and also in surrounding states, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So, and, and this year's just concluded and we actually had a really, a really good race this year. It seemed like a lot of youth were participating, but before we get into that, let's talk about some particulars of the, of the series. Uh, like I said, it runs from June 1 to May 31st of next year. That kind of gives us a chance before youth nationals to get the winners uh, in place so we can award them there. Um, and any youth between they are from five to 17 can compete on it. Uh, can compete in youth events across the country to accrue points towards this series. Um, basically, uh, in the Spotlight Series, we have two different divisions. There's a junior division, which is 5 to 12 years old, and the senior division, which is 13 to 17. Um, one kind of uh, uh, important particular is for those that are in the middle there, um, if you were to turn 13 before the running year's over, which if you got to turn 13 before May 31st of that year, then you would just, all your points would go towards the senior 
division. Um, and, uh, and also, uh, for someone turning 18, any points you get before you turn 18 will count towards this, the standing. So you have a chance to accrue some points, but you won't be able to compete in any, any more events after you turn 18. So just a couple of particulars to get out of the way before we get there. So, uh, so you talked about the state championships a little bit, but at every youth event, you can actually get spotlight series points, right? Any, any YEP event across the country. And the way the points are laid out is you get 10 points, uh, per cast win, don't have to be any sort of special placement. You just get 10 points per cast win in the hunts and also 10 points per category winner in the shows. So that's your what grand champion male and female, champion male and female, and your best male and best female a show. Yeah, six six categories at every show. Six category winners at every show for them to get points on. But uh, no points are going to be awarded for class or breed winners in the registered portion of the show. Just have to be one of the six category winners. Um, and... Uh, another important thing to detail is that a youth may only be credited with spotlight series for two category wins in the show. Uh, so they're limited to that. That's kind of a new, I, I believe that happened in 2019. You implemented that. Uh, yeah. And what we were seeing, the reason we did that is what we were seeing. There's some, some kids that were privy to handling a bunch of dogs, a lot more dogs than other kids and could really, wasn't a fair competition. You know, one kid go into an event with five or six dogs, especially, especially in the show portion of it against and kids only handling one or two dogs could never compete with that so that's why we uh maxed it out at two dogs maximum yeah i mean oftentimes you see youth that only have one dog available to them or one that they've worked with now just to be clear though that does a youth can handle as many dogs as they want to but they'll only get credit for two dogs that day at one show and you'll still see some of the folks that are pretty intent on running this they'll they'll set themselves up best they can and they'll win three or four categories but they're still only going to get credit for the two yeah. categories yeah. or per the rules um and then also like you talked about with the state the state champion the youth state championships uh, where there's double points events and at those events you can double up on those points i guess the reason behind that you're trying to drive people to participate in those state youth championships it is it is you know and i think it's worked pretty well really and try to get them to get them there and uh, you know with those double points and it's just uh it gets more uh, kids from out of state to come to their uh joining states uh, state championship and you'd be surprised how far some of these kids drive just to go compete i know at one time we said you know really is the amount of, of events that we have for a kid that really wants to especially those that live in the midwest uh, they can go to find a youth event about anywhere, about any weekend of the year to go to if they want to. Yeah. And you'd kind of be surprised by how many state championships there are. I believe there's close to 25 state youth championships in the year. So yeah. even kids in the Northeast, the West, they have opportunities in their states to, to accrue some points. Absolutely. Double points Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yep. Right. And then the, the last double points event, of course, is youth nationals. Youth nationals. You get a cast win there or win your age there because it shows a little bit different. And we'll talk about that later on. Yep. But that's a double points event too for for folks to yeah uh and and that that excludes uh both the breed association championships that they have in the yep events it's only for state level event uh, state level events and for youth nationals is the double mm. points event state championships that's right so right. uh one one kind of new thing for the spotlight series this year is going to be what we call a junior handler enrollment form um this is a, a kind of a new way for us to keep track of points and i think it's going to work out really well for us uh Right now, we're we're hand keeping we're keeping track of these points by hand in an Excel spreadsheet. Leaves room for human error. Um, it, putting it in a system is going to make it a lot more streamlined process, more efficient. It's going to be easier on on the folks that are processing those reports, don't you think? Yeah, really. We've we've asked too much of the the ladies that do that, and they've done an excellent job with it. You know, but humans doing that, it just this new system will just remove uh, more human error. Uh, and you, you've kind uh, of. 
uh, tested this a little bit, right? With your Beagle Gun Dog Youth Series, you're kind of mm-hmm. working on this way already, right? Yeah, and it's it's working really good. So we need to do this, right? So once we once we get these enrollment enrollment forms filled out, we get them put into our system, and we're going to assign each kid a number and mail them out a uh, a card with their number on there, so they'll be able to enter the youth events with their number uh, and and have that number in our system to effectively track these points. Um, but one thing to note is that if we don't have a formal file or put you in our system, there's no way for us to apply those points. So it's imperative that we get those forms filled out and in. Yeah, it is. And the the number that we give each kid is pretty unique. And you may have it here to, to discuss that, but it's it's very simple. It's the year the kid was born is going to be the first four numbers, followed by the month. The kid was born in May. It's going to be 05 is going to be the next two numbers. And then followed by the the two-digit number of their birth date in that month. And then dash 001, unless there's a kid that already has another kid in the system that has that same exact birthday, then the the next kid becomes 002 and so on, just to keep them separated. So the number is kind of matches their birth date. Right. And uh, one thing to note is that once you fill it out once, you don't have to do it again. So yeah. it's a one-time thing. And not just that, but the other thing, it gives us a, a little bit of a bio for the kid, for the youth handler. And if we ever needed to contact them or this or that, it's another way for us to go to their to their record, their personal record, and, and be able to get all the information we need. Yeah. And I think in the preliminary talks about this program, we're talking about what the handler enrollment form should look like. Uh having a little information about the kid and being able to spotlight some of the kids that are running these races and competing a lot of events mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. We could highlight them on our social media platforms or websites or different things once we collect some information about them to put out there for them. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of paperwork, though, each each club will be getting a spot, what we call a spotlight series form, where uh, the event official, when they're doing their report, is also going to fill out uh, the information with the the handler's youth number and what they won that day. That way we can give the youth the correct amount of points. Mm-hmm. And it's that's very important for you to take your time, get those filled out correctly, because that is what we're going to be uh, tracking as far as data and getting points applied correctly. Um, and, this, and, and talking about points and standings, uh, we, we do a, a pretty good job, I think, of keeping up with uh, publishing and, and keeping everybody in the know as far as what the standings are. Uh, we, we post monthly on our website. Uh, ukcdogs.com what the standings are at that time in each uh, each division and each each uh, event and also it's going to be in coonhound bloodlines every month on what it's going to be um and uh and as far as this year's uh, you know i said it just it just ended you know, at the time we're recording this just recently but we actually have not even finalized this year's uh, spotlight series points yet it's that it's that fresh so we're still waiting on i think three or four reports to come in to finalize that but right now we have a couple really good races um and and just to get the youth, you know, sometimes you see these and you think, man, I can't run that. But just to get it out there in the night hunt right now, the leader has 80 points that could change. But 80 points is it's a really attainable goal for someone, especially if you go to a couple state championships and with a double points events, you can rack up 80 points in no time. Uh, yeah, we've had since we've had this, we've had a lot of good, good races like that. Right. Yeah, right. It makes it really it's really interesting. Right. It motivates kids, you know, and, and it's it's a good thing. It's just been and it's so much fun. You come to the youth nationals where we and you're gonna talk about that here in a minute, where we do the awards, all those kids that got in for their division, it's just awesome. Oh, 
It's the funnest part about it, it that st- sticking around that night or coming in the next day and yeah. they're walking around with their chest puffed out and yeah. talking about their hunt last night. Yeah. It's some yeah. of the better yeah. times out there, but uh, good, good stuff. Uh, there is right now, I, there is one, one division that is, is pretty always competitive since I started being here and that's the senior division of the bench show. And some of those uh, folks are gaining a lot of points this year. We have two, two young ladies, both live in the middle part of the country and they both have over 500 points right now. Wow. And, uh, that's a lot of category wins. Yeah. Uh, they've traveled, I know, all over the country to accrue these wins, and you, it's going to be pretty tight. You know what amazes me? Since we've started these programs, we've had them for a good little while, but I think it has really, really helped the handling skills, develop the handling skills, and, and move them along quicker than it did in the old days. Yeah. You see some of these young kids, it is amazing what you see with their handling skills. It's well, crazy. We've, we've talked about it. When I first started here in 2019, seeing some of the the kids handling there at that event compared to this year, uh, there's no there's no comparison. They're they're just gaining confidence. They're getting better. They're learning different things. And now you're seeing these kids that were competing at Youth Nationals in 2019, and they're at Autumn Oaks Winter Classic, some of our major competing shows, and competing they're competing with the adults, right? Absolutely, and, and, and they're being, winning. Yeah, <laughs> they're they very are. competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right now talking about uh, the youth that are competing. Uh, I got a couple numbers from just this year's uh, series is, and uh, 269 youth, different youth accrued points in the bench show series this year and 235 different youth accrued points in the night hunt series. So that's just cast winners and category winners. Mm-hmm. That's quite a few youth that are involved. So um, sometimes I think people have a bleak outlook on the future, but that speaks well to the power of the programs and getting kids out and involved. It does. It does. You know, and I always said it every time, every year you go to the youth nationals, Oh, man, it's just a good example of, hey, the sport is pretty vibrant with youth, with young young kids competing in it. That's right. And the thing about youth nationals is it's a little regional. It moves around from area to area. Mm-hmm. We've had it since I've been here in Indiana. We've had it all the way as far west as Oklahoma and all the way as far east as West Virginia. And there's always a different group, of, a different crowd, different group of kids. And uh, there's a, just a lot of youth involved. But out of these numbers I just told you, 270 in the show and 235 in the hunt, that's a 31 different states are represented in our standings plus Canada. Yeah, that's, so, that's awesome. That's just awesome. Absolutely. And then once we get these uh, final standings, which should be within the next uh, little bit, that'll be announced well in advance at Youth Nationals. That way those folks can get make arrangements to be there and get awarded at Youth Nationals because that's where we're going to award them Saturday at Youth Nationals in front of their peers, um, make them feel important it's a huge accomplishment and uh it will put them up on a pedestal for everybody to see and hopefully have some folks in the crowd that are shooting for them gunning for them in this next year's series yeah yeah but, uh, that, and that's always a good time seeing those kids up there all the big smiles and everything i've i've done a bunch of those and it's loved it yeah well, that's something to be proud of for sure yeah and some of these kids that uh, that started this the, some of our first winners they're young adults now you know I can I can still remember some of those kids that were uh, you know that came up through this program. The other thing that we see a lot, you're talking about youth nationals here a little bit, is what is I find so unique and interesting is the fact that some of these kids uh, are now parents and they're bringing their kids. They're not just they're there competing. That's right. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. That's pretty right. Neat. I've I've made it a point to kind of go through some of the old records and magazines of the past youth nationals since it started in what two thousand one two thousand one, and boy, that's uh, you're looking at a, a lot of winners that are now have major impact on our sports. They're they're winning major events. They're 
some of our judges are judging major events already. It's uh, that that program does a good job, I think, of what it's intended to do is to draw people to the sport and keep them in the sport, yeah. keep them involved. You know, just some names. We could throw some names out there. You might be surprised, but just like uh, we had our tournament of champions here a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, guys like Nick Brady was in the finals. He was one of the first winners, you know, or placed high in one of the first ones. Uh, another one was um, um, uh, the the not dual Murphy, but the other the other boy, his partner there. Nick Kimmel? Immel, Immel, yeah. Nick Immel. Yeah. He's won. He's won it before. Oh. You know, so guys like that, they all came up through the youth programs. Yeah. And and on the show side, you I think the first I'm not if I'm not mistaken, one of the first ones was Melinda Hicks, and she's still uh winning. She won the yeah. top ten Ben show uh, a couple years ago. I Judging saw shows. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. May, having major impact on our sports still to this day. Uh so shifting a little bit from the spotlight series and to what is actually the 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 importance inside of it is our Air Yet program, the youth education program. Is is that a program that you also were here when it was implemented, or was that before you were here? No, that was a, that was after I've been here, yeah. and that's a Yep, which stands for Youth Education Program, and just another another big deal. We we started that one out a little differently than what it is now. We had to make some changes. It was a little too aggressive to begin with. I think the idea was great, but it was just too aggressive and too hard for clubs to. Uh, administer but we started with the kid had to do uh three classes before they could actually compete you know and uh there was they had to do some kind of the club had to do some kind of educational course for them and but one of the the one that part that i really loved in there that after we just did one course dropped it from three to one was during that a kid had to introduce their a buddy or a friend to the sport in some manner didn't matter it could be a lot of different things they could bring a school buddy to a club meeting, a coon club meeting, or take them hunting just during the week with their dad or whatever. Take them on a hunting trip with them, you know, yeah. or uh, anything, anything coonhound related or sport related. And the idea wasn't necessarily to bring them into the sport. Uh, it's great if they do, you know, if they find it interesting and, and they like it and they want to they do it, that's fine. But the other thing is when they become adults, they buy a house on the edge of a woods, wake up at two o'clock in the morning, they hear a dog barking out back that's treed. Uh, now they know exactly what that dog's right. doing. They're not concerned about it. They know everything about it. They've been exposed. They've been yeah. informed. And yeah. opposed to, you know, freaking out, not knowing what this dog is doing out back here. There's, you know, don't, don't know what's going on. I love that part of it, but uh, yeah, so we had moved it from three classes down to just one, which works so much better, and that's and that's enough. But uh, before the YEP program was uh, created, were there were there youth events outside of state youth championships before then? Yeah, we had some. There was, you know, all the breed associations had a uh, youth breed breed hunt, you know, just for youth only, you know. So it started out kind of with limited events, you right. know, but it has really grown. It's gro- grown tremendously, right. I know you talked about it a, a few uh, a few years back being up in the 200s. I think this year we had around 120 youth-only events. Um, and I just wanted to give a, a kind of a shout-out to some of our top-performing states as far as putting yeah. on different youth events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Indiana was a top top state this, uh, this past season, which I'm talking about from January 1, 2021 to December 31st, 2021. Um, Ohio had 11. Uh, Kentucky was next with nine. North Carolina had nine as well. And then West Virginia was was there with eight. Uh, so so I wanted to give a shout, uh, shout out and props to those clubs and those states that are putting the effort in to to keep the kids first and and getting them involved. Um, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I was I was kind of surprised about it, Alan to be to be honest with you some of the some of the states that weren't having very many youth events and I didn't have a, I did I was I had to double check our records to make sure it's right there's a a few states in here that are kind of low on the low with just having the one state youth championships a year and no yep events at all and I just I don't have a good reason why a club couldn't put on a youth event um you for know, us, hey, I can make a good argument for that. You know, for yeah. local clubs to put on a, a YEP event, it's we don't charge them right. a license fee or a recording fee. It is absolutely free to the club as far as UKC fees go. So that's that shouldn't hold anybody back. You know, um, so there's really as far as uh, costing them anything, it's nothing but time. But I'm telling you, it's time well spent when you look at the future of the sport. That's for sure. That's right. If if you're worried about uh, maybe your club declining with numbers, you, uh, uh, you haven't tried new things, maybe uh, getting in touch with us and, and getting one of your events to be a YEP event is, is a direction your club could go to draw some new people to your club. Once you get them there, put on a good event, you're liable to get them and their parents there. Yeah, you know? yeah. and you mentioned some of the states here in the Midwest that have done very well, and kudos to them for sure, you know, but there's also some of those clubs out west or states out west. Oklahoma has always been good for their Arkansas, you know, even even Texas and some of those states have just always had awesome uh, kids programs out that way. Yeah. And then some of the breed associations as well. Yeah. And and speaking of that a little bit, I, I know that 2021 numbers may not be the most uh, effective data that we have coming off of uh, different True. troubles with True. the COVID. So there's probably some clubs that used to have them that didn't have them because it looks like this year we're actually going to have an uptick in youth events so far, but we don't have any final numbers on that as of right now, of yeah. course. And yeah, any any clubs out there that are interested in it, you can always get in touch with our hunting ops department and we can uh, get one of your youth events scheduled for you. Like he said, we're waiving license and recording fees. And also this doesn't count against the number of hunts you can have a year. So you can get an extra hunter, use one of the good dates you have right now as a youth event and add one towards the end of the year. Yeah. There's a lot of different yeah. uh, venues to go on, you know, uh, just as long as your club's in good, your license event and your uh, license club and your, your club's in good standing, then we will approve a yep yeah. for you. Absolutely. Uh, there's just a couple things I think that goes in. And they're into, fun. Yeah. They're fun. Anybody doesn't enjoy uh, taking the kids out and the, it's just so much different than an adult cast, but it's, uh, they're fun. Absolutely. And it's just different things that kids come up with. It's just, it's a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and for, for clubs putting it on, you know, it's, it's important to, uh, to put the time and effort into it and not just use it as an extra event. If it's, if, if that's what you have it for, I know, uh, some clubs are looking to capitalize on as many events they can, but it's important that a couple of good things go into having a good youth event. Yeah. Right? One, one thing I'd like to add about that, you know, sometimes I've, uh, and you probably hear it as well, but you know, a club will say, well, we only have uh half a dozen kids around here that would even come to it, you know? Yeah. Who cares? Right. That's six kids. Put them in the woods, you know? Yeah. Plenty. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, yeah, absolutely. Especially if they bring their friend along or yeah. what have you. It may you don't need to have 30, 40 entries to have a good youth hunt. You that's know? right. You have a couple of casts of kids, why do it? That's right. I think, I think the most important thing for clubs putting on events is to make it something worth the kids while there's so many things right now that uh, kids could be doing otherwise on a weekend, you know, you got to pull them away from different sporting activities, uh, stuff in their house, video games, TV sure. shows, movies and stuff. So put a little effort into it. And I think you can make it worth the kids while pretty quick because they eat that kind of stuff. Up. They love being outdoors. It's yeah. natural instinct for them. Um, but I think uh, uh, talking a little bit about the, yep, 
the YEP program is uh, an important aspect of it is the YEP classes that we require at each one, a club to take, I don't know more, you know, 15, 20 minutes talking about some different topics. And we have some topics on our, uh, on our uh, website that I thought was pretty well thought out. It's probably something you did. Yeah. yeah. I talk about some of the registration basics, night hunt rules and handling uh, basics, bench show rules, dog health and care is something that people probably don't talk about a lot, but I think it's always a big draw if you have a, a vet around uh, that can come and speak to the kids a little bit about dog health and safety and maybe what to keep around game laws have your game wardens come out a lot of different things that's right and then the most important it's thing unlimited. that you left for life sportsmanship is a is a big part of that mm. too to push that um and then uh just uh, uh just uh, just to kind of tie up the youth programs you talked about youth championships a little bit right now on our uh, youth championship series schedule there are there's 38 events on there there's eight uh, st- uh breed championships and there's 30 state youth championships so there's ample opportunity for kids across the country to get involved so if you're a parent listening, we plead to you to get the kids out, get them involved in the sport, because we need as many youngsters in the sport as we can get. Yeah, and they'll have a good time. This podcast is brought to you by the all-new Dogtra Pathfinder 2. Dogtra, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. All right, so we've kind of run down a couple of our youth our youth programs already with the Spotlight Series and the, and the YEP program, but now we're going to shift gears to our premier youth event in the year, and that's the the UKC Youth Nationals. Uh, it's coming up here shortly, uh, July 22nd, 23rd this year, and it's going to be in Medina, Ohio at the Medina County Coon Club. You're yeah. familiar with that area, I'm I, sure? I am. That always brings back uh, a lot of good memories for me. 2005 was my first year, f- first full year working at UKC. I started in the fall of 20, or 2004. So that's, uh, that's the same place uh, my first Youth Nationals was at, was at Medina. That's Coon Country, Northern Ohio. We can't ask for any better hunting than that, right? It's very good. It, it's as it's as good as it gets right there. And they right. have a nice little club there. Uh, from what I remember, they had a pond out there. I don't know if you're going to have water races this year or not. They we had do plan on that. I think we actually had that year. We hired some. Um, we we allowed the kids to swim. I think, and we hired mm. lifeguards. I think. Yeah, I think that was the place. Can I bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, Been to a lot of them, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. 20 of them. Anyways, yeah. but yeah, working closely with Larry Hawk there at the Medina Connecticut Club. He's a former field rep, right? Yeah. He's been a... And he would have been there that really first good. year. You know, another thing I remember about that is, you, and if you dig back in the archives, you'll see some of, some, a lot of our kids will remember Daniel Patrick and his sister, Samantha Patrick. Uh, they coon hunt, they squirrel hunt, uh, but they're musicians. No kid. And Daniel, I want to say, was nine at the time, and his sister Samantha was seven, and their mom and dad also played. But we hired them to come out and play on that Friday night. No kidding. And they did an awesome job. Yeah. I, I still remember all that. But look at Daniel now and his sister. They're Nashville recording artists. That's crazy. A good yeah. start. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, and they're still there's those kids are still hunting, but. Always think of that. Get them, get in touch with them, and get them out there this year. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I figured we'd go into a little bit of detail about youth nationals. Obviously, it's a two-night hunt with a single bench show, non-licensed bench show on Saturday. So it usually gets started on Friday night. We have a seven p.m. deadline, all Eastern Standard Time. Obviously, this is in the Eastern Time Zone with a ten-dollar entry fee and an hour and a half hunt. Um, it gets it gets a little warm in the summer, so I, I have seen it adjust in the past. But with it being in Northern Ohio, I think. 
we should be able to get that in, but it, it will be warm, I'm sure. Yeah, so that's a 90-minute hunt, and I'll, I'll add to that a little bit. It used to be, they used to be two hours, and that was a long time for some kids, especially, you know, you're talking in the middle of July. It's hot anywhere, oftentimes, and sometimes I've been to some youth nationals where it was ridiculously hot. I remember Tennessee. Yeah. It was really hot that year. Uh, but there, matter of fact, it was Tennessee where it was so hot, we changed it from two hours to one hour. I remember Alan and uh, the guys there at the club, Alan Roberts, he came to me and he's like, man, what do you think about dangerous. it? Dangerously hot, you know, and we decided we would on Friday night. Well, the next morning I had uh, a bunch of the young kids come up and, you know, if we'd had, uh, if we'd had another hour, I would have won, you know, <laughs> I needed that extra hour, you know, and da -da -da, this and that. But it was kind of funny the way it worked out. And, these, and, uh, and when we made the announcement before we called Cass out on Friday night, you know, I told him, I said, hey, let's do this one-hour thing, and I'm willing, and I'm willing to, to listen what your thoughts are tomorrow, see how this goes. And they did, and it was awesome. The next day, I, I set a time for, for us to discuss it and, you know, just some, uh, see what kids thought about it. We wanted to hear from them. And they did an excellent job. And you know what? And the other thing I remember is the dads kind of sat back and they let their kids voice their opinions of what they thought. Yeah. And, you know, that's where the meeting in the middle of the road here with that, that's where the 90 minute hunts came from for youth kids. It was that's, because of that. Ain't that something? Yeah. Uh, one of my good buddies down in Tennessee actually won that hunt, Wyatt Barnett. Yeah. I'll have to get a hold of him when we get off here. He never told me about the hour thing. He must have had a quick strike. Well, he's that lucky. Year. He's probably lucky that it was an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the kid that plays second, he needed another hour. He needed another hour. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, so the format of the no, hunt. There's another kid, yeah. Wyatt Barnett. Wyatt you know, Barnett. He's, a, he's a young adult. What's, he's selling lights and things like that. I see him at the, some of these shows. Uh, he does. He travels the, around with Hoop and Tater quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. yeah. He does. Yeah. yeah. Still in it now. Good kid. He's Last time I was over there too. at his kennel, he still had his, uh, still had his uh, trophy and everything from the Youth Nationals win. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a big win. Yeah, I remember that event well. So, uh, so uh, on to the hunt format a little bit. We'll draw them out into two divisions. It uh, doesn't matter uh, what, the dog, what category the dog's in. could be registered, not champion or grand knight. Based on the kid's it's age. Be on the kid's age. Five yep. to 12-year-olds will draw out together, and 13 to 17-year-olds are going to draw out together. Um, and each night, Friday and Saturday night, we award 10 placements, uh, first through 10th, regardless of age. That's just going to be uh, based on score. And each kid, each each of the placements is going to get a trophy and a bright eyes light, right? Uh, Ray, another event that Ray with bright eyes light sponsors. Uh, he's been doing it for as long as I've been here. Yeah, he's been doing it for a good little while, you know, and every kid that uh, that that places, I do believe, in the top 10, is it the top 10 that you award? That's show? right. Okay, I haven't made any changes to that, so they'll all get a light from bright eyes good lights 24 lights that weekend yeah, that he donates yeah. going going back to the age thing is just this probably a good uh, time to plug into that to remind parents that any kid that is 13 or younger needs to be must be accompanied by an adult that's right uh, out on the cast and that adult needs to be somebody outside of another parent or a guide or what have you that's in the cast right yeah, good point. Yeah, that's that's important. Thirteen or younger needs to be accompanied by an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, going going into Saturday, of course, we'll do our awards for the kids who won the night before during the day. There, uh, we have our bench show seminar at eleven a.m. Uh, Saturday. On Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and Tiffany Schmersel is going to be our judge this year, uh, and I think she's going to do an awesome job. I'm going to be working with her a little bit in the next couple of weeks, uh, getting a presentation ready, a, a, a kind of a PowerPoint presentation to 
to talk to these kids that are interested in showing about some different details on handling techniques and things to worry about. And I think she's going to be real good at that. Yeah, she will. Tiffany will be really good with that. And she'll be good working with the kids on that. And it's important that the kids be there for this um, because I've seen where kids missed out on this meeting because one of the things she's going to talk about is some of the things that she's going to be looking for. Uh, as I'm sure you'll get into it a little bit, it's not like your normal show where they're just judging dogs only. Uh, they're also judging the uh, handling skills of the of the kids. That's so right. uh, she'll be telling them some things that she'll be looking for, and they'll want to know what some of those items are to make sure that uh, that they're aware of that. And and that's also why it's not licensed because it's not like a regular show. So we can it's more like almost like a 4-H type of right. show. Not, not so focused on the appearance and structure of the dog as it is about the junior showmanship aspect to it and the handling skills of the kid yeah. and the effort they put into it and basically what the information they retain from the seminar that's that's right before the event. It, it is, and, and I love the way that's set up. It's, it's different than any other show because it's based on the classes. I'm hoping I'm not buttoning into your... No, okay. go for it. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, it's based on the kid's age. Yeah. So any, any, all the six-year-olds are all going to be competing against other six-year-olds. That's your class. Yeah. Six-year-old class. Doesn't matter if they're hunting or showing a what breed of dog, if it's a male or a female, if it's a champion, a grand or a registered dog, all that doesn't matter. It's all about the kid's age. Six-year-olds show together, followed by seven-year-olds. And I think you do the first, second, third places in each, That's right. in each class. Right? That's right. Okay. First place in each age division is going to get a trophy this yeah. year. Second, third, they're going to get a ribbon of their choice. You move yeah. right on up the age bracket. So five through uh, 12, they'll show in the junior division. Yep. And then you'll have a ju junior division champion. And that is the class age class winner of each one of those classes. <laughs> and what is fun to watch here for these, on the, for these kids is how they progress, their handling skills progress. And you don't have to get up very far. Eight, nine-year-olds, you would be surprised the handling skills mm -hmm. you see. Absolutely. The other thing that I love about this whole format is uh, that a kid who does their homework mm -hmm. has an opportunity because it's not everything about the dog. Yeah, you'll want a nice dog and things like that, but it's how you present the dog as is a big part of the judging. Right. So I don't have to have the best dog. I just want to learn how to present it properly to the judge. And, um, you know, and that starts at home, homework. Yeah. is key but i can compete with what i have at home and i don't need to worry about some kid that has the luxury of having you know a world champion next door sure. or maybe what have you to compete yeah. against that it's a whole lot more than that and oftentimes you'll see some of the judges at these at this youth nationals event ask questions to the to the handlers about show rules uh some stuff they talked about in the seminar or some breed standards of their dog in particular. Yeah, and this is some of these kids this year have an advantage maybe of hearing this that haven't been to a youth nationals in a while. You know, I mean, you're right. You know, they, now they'll do the same thing in the upper class or in the upper division, the yeah. senior or the senior division where the 13 through 17, you know, those classes. But you're right. When they come back for the, oftentimes when they come back for the overall uh, junior or senior division, that's when the judge is going to ask them some questions. Yeah. So it's good for them to read up on your breed standards and they'll ask questions about the oftentimes about the breed that you're showing. That's right. So study the standard of that dog and it's it's good. And it's if you're tough. competing in those senior division finals, those handlers are going to be tough. The mm -hmm. ones that make it to the finals 
And it's that, uh, the judges are going to have to be a little nitpicky. And, and at some of these questions they're asking may have a bit of a sway on who they choose as the overall winner. Absolutely does. You know, and it, it's, uh, but it's, it's awesome to watch that. I always love it. Going back again to watch that progression as you get to the older kids, it's crazy good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing is, you know, they're, they're, they're only competing against, you know, especially in their age classes or in their classes, they're only competing against other kids their age and their own skill set. I used to think, you know, you mentioned Melinda Hicks. Back in the day, she won, uh, she might have won the show there at Medina, you know, in 2005. I don't remember. I, I, I was one of those she won shows one at one. Yeah. So when she's up to 16, 17 years old, you know, she's one of those that could compete with the adults at that age as well. Right. But, you know, an eight, nine, 10 year old can't compete with that. Right. You know, so this setup, it really, really levels the playing field. And it's uh, it's just a good setup. That's a fun part of it, it is, is that a six-year-old can get out there and compete against other six-year-olds, it feel is. comfortable in that setting and still get an award for it and it learn is. something along the way. And this is, as at the time we're recording this, the first part of June or the middle of June here, uh, now's the time to start getting ready for it. Absolutely. Start doing your homework. Yeah. There you go. Get your dog to gate good, gate well, yeah. you know, a lot of things set yeah. up well. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll bring up, I've seen already um, where a dog was acting up a little bit on the bench while they were up there showing. And guess what? The judge is not uh, so much worried about the dog acting up as it is about how the kid is reacting, reacting to yeah. it, responding to this. Yeah. And I've, I've seen one kid one time got some major points on the way she responded to a dog that wanted to kind of move around a little bit, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, like you said, we have a little, but between the time this airs and the event happens, you probably have a little bit of time. Get out to a local bench show and talk to a judge. Do some prep beforehand. There's yeah. ample opportunities to to kind of verse that's, yourself in and some that's things. And that's a good point. You know, there's there's plenty of, you'll, you'll have somebody in your area that can give you some good pointers. Hey, what is a judge looking for? What should I work on here before youth nationals and yeah. things like that? Yeah. You know, so yeah. And also time to acclimate that, you know, if you're showing a dog that maybe isn't the grand champion that's won autumn oaks maybe have some time to acclimate to different things get it used to crowds get it used to different surfaces that it's going to walk on and get it used to being on a bench a lot of good points right there yep. yeah uh so so the show so obviously the bench show seminar is going to be at 11 a.m followed by the bench show at 1 p.m uh in between there we'll probably do our uh our spotlight series awards uh get those awards out so it's a good time for everybody to be there in between that time um so uh, 1 p.m deadline for the show ten dollar entry fee uh, we've talked a lot about the format uh, and, and how the show works. So uh, after the show, we're going to move into kind of a, uh, the dead period of the day. It's hot in the summer, uh, but there will be some activities around it. There always seems to be some activities that the host club puts on uh, between the one o'clock bench show and the 7 p.m. deadline for the hunt. Um, I know Larry was telling me that they are actively working on getting the pond ready for for water race that weekend. So that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but the, there could be a, a, you know, last year there was a lot of, uh, there was a cornhole tournament and also they had a BB shooting contest tournament. Oh, yeah. with, uh, adult supervised, of course, but that was fun to watch. And there's yeah. always, I think they said they have, they allow fishing in the pond and different things. So uh, it'll be the year we were there. Yeah. It's going to be a fun, a fun day. Saturday's the, the fun long day for kids. So if they're coming for, to show, there's a lot of stuff to do all day long. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So seven o'clock deadline, ten ten dollar entry fee, and that's that again. It's an hour and a half hunt right now. Uh, so let's get into the hunt and how you how you win this thing. If you're if you're a junior or in the senior division, uh, one change we made for the junior division this year is we used to do a final four for the junior division, and uh, 
you know, they're five to 12 years old. Sometimes you get some youngsters in there and, and oftentimes uh, they just, that's two long days. It's hot. Uh, you find it at, you know, three hours total over two nights. They played all day long on Saturday. That late round was, was rough on them. So we've kind of did away with the late round on, on Saturday night for the junior division. Yeah. So the, the way it works to, uh, for the final four would be the scores after two nights, right? Right. That's still the way it is. That's right. Double cast winners. Yeah. Be the first two. Yeah. Right. So for those younger kids, that's asking a whole lot. Yeah. So we're doing away with that this year and that's probably a good move. So that'll just be based on combined scores for two nights, right? That's right. The overall winner will be the, the highest combined double cast winner. And if we don't have any double cast winners, it'll be a single night. Now you're talking about winners. the junior national title. That's junior division only. Yeah. And, and the winner of that is actually going to bring home a thousand dollar scholarship along with their national championship trophy and an embroidered jacket. So, uh, but th that's just for junior, junior division only. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. I think it's going to work out really well because there's a, you know, the, last year we were in Miami, Oklahoma and the, the unbeknownst to us on the way there, the building was under renovation and we couldn't get in. We were just under a, a pavilion all weekend. Couldn't really escape from the heat yeah. unless you got in, you know, yeah. went to your hotel or something. And uh, we had one young, we had one young girl. She, she couldn't have been seven or eight years old there on Saturday night who had double cast wins. And she, she was a trooper, but you could tell she did not want to go out yeah. that late night cast. And, and I don't yeah. think any of them were too amped up to go out on it, but that's tough. I probably wouldn't have wanted to either. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But for the senior division, we still will have a final four. And like you said, uh, double cast winners, combined score will be the first to advance. And if we don't have four, which we usually do, uh, then single cast, uh, single cast high score would advance you through. But you do have to complete hunt times both nights. Um, to be eligible. That's right. To be eligible, you have to, you have to hunt both nights. Yeah, and, and complete the whole two hours to be eligible. Can't withdraw on Friday minutes, yeah. or 90 minutes. Yeah. Can't withdraw at, uh, at an hour on Friday. That takes you an opportunity. Out or scratch. It. Yeah. Different. Yeah. That yep. takes you, that removes your opportunity of getting in the final four. That's right. And, uh, and there's actually going to be $9,000 in uh, scholarship money paid out to the final four. And I'll give you the breakdown here real quick. Second through fourth place, all have the same, the same award. They're going to get a plaque for making it to the final cast of youth nationals. And they're also going to get $2,000 in uh, youth scholarship money yeah. to use whenever they graduate high school and move on to That's the next awesome. level. That's awesome. And uh, first place is going to get their national championship trophy an embroidered jacket and $3 or uh, $3,000 in uh, scholarship money to use towards their, their next level That's of awesome. education. That totals 10,000 10, $10, in total. And yeah. they need to, uh, they need to use that uh, right after high school, right? That's when right. they're eligible for it. That's right. That's yeah, right. So, so we don't act. You're not actually going to write them a check on the no. day of. That's right. We, we, uh, what oftentimes happens is once they graduate high school, they'll go to college next year. They'll send, they'll email us in an invoice from the, uh, the office there, uh, the administrative office there at the university yeah. or tech school or wherever they decide to go to. And we'll send the check directly to them to help them pay for some money. I actually just did it this past year for, uh, for a uh, Drew Estep over in West Virginia. He, he had, uh, uh, talking to his daddy at his first year of college paid for from his winnings from youth nationals. Wow. That's awesome. And we have several kids, kids that have won, you know, that have earned scholarships um, in multiple years and that, that helps them a lot. Absolutely. A couple like Drake Chassain, he's coming up soon, right? He's, yeah. He should have a little bit of money saved up for him. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have to use everything yet in one, in one amount. It can be broke down, whatever, whatever invoices they do send us. Absolutely. One little wrinkle that we, we've added this year is, is what we're going to call the total junior award. 
and it's going to be for any youth achieving a cast win in either night of the night hunt and then also placing in the top three in their age division of the bench show. And it's just a, here at UKC, our, we, we emphasize a total dog, right? Mm-hmm. A dog that's correct in confirmation. Uh, it's a good-looking dog, but it also competes at the highest level, and these youth are embodying everything that that means to us, the total dog embodies for us. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I haven't heard you mention was um, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the final fours in each category, junior division and the, and the, or in the senior division. Uh, but they also, you have a top 10 placement overall for each night. Right. And that's, that is the juniors and the seniors combined, correct? Correct. That still that's correct? right. Okay. Yep. And, uh, and that happens on both nights. So that's right. And we, we did, we taught, uh, they, they beat a trophy and a bright eyes light, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's 20, 20, 20 total lights being handed out by Ray that weekend for that, plus the four for the spotlight series. So mm-hmm. we will do a top 10 placements each yeah. night for those. We'll be right back. If you're trying to contact UKC, don't wait on hold. Use the online chat feature on ukcdogs.com. So, so I enjoyed talking about the youth programs a little bit, but I think uh, one thing that we really wanted to accomplish with this uh, with this podcast and web series is to talk about youth, or uh, sorry, rules and the interpretations that come with them a little bit. And before we can dive into any rules, I think we need to touch on the questioning procedure because that's a huge part of, of rules and getting calls right in the woods. Good idea. I like it. Yep. Right. So I, I've what basically what I built out up here on on our on our cheat sheets is is going through different steps that you would take in the woods. But first thing I have is a is a pre step, and I think it's important for any of beneficial and host clubs to know right I know, now. I know exactly where you're going with it. <laughs> selecting judges, selecting quality, trustworthy judges. Go. Don't just draw out a cast and oh, I don't know this guy. But I've never had trouble with him, so let's make him the judge. Pick a quality judge from your pool and assign them to a cast and make sure that you I'm have sorry, a good judge. Trevor, on each I need cast. to shut my phone off before we started this. And they probably have a question right there. They didn't follow the questioning procedures so. correctly. <laughs> uh, but yes, like you said, uh, picking quality judges is our first, as our pre-step before any question. If you have a good judge on a cast, then oftentimes you, it keeps you away from having trouble in the woods. Absolutely does. Absolutely. There's, there's so much, there's so much value there. I, and, and here's the other thing, you know, I get, a lot of times I hear, well, we got to get the scorecards in the young guy's hand. They need to learn sometime. I agree 100%. But don't do it and uh, intimidate somebody before they're ready. And there's nobody for them to learn, better to learn from than a good, experienced, solid judge. Absolutely. And, and, and there's so many examples in this rule book right here of, of calls that are made off of a, judge, a judgment call, basically. And uh, when you have a good a judge with, with sound judgment, then that's that takes away a lot of the trouble that you can run into. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you have it in here or not, but I think it's a, this is a good spot to really uh, to, to hit on the proper way to to select your judges. Uh, it is not hard. I remember back in the day when it was it was frustrating. You'd go to you draw out. They'd call four guys. You'd go up there and usually oftentimes. Uh, believe it or not, there'd be somebody reaching for the card. Yeah. And guess what? A lot of times they got the card. Yeah. And it used to frustrate me that they allowed that to happen because oftentimes it was a guy that he had, he had motives, you know? Right. It, uh, I know we, we've talked about it some. You dislike when somebody says, oh, I can judge. Well, we will assign the judges. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's kind of a red flag. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, um, the, the the proper way to do that, and it is not hard. We get it all the time. Well, that just takes too much time. No, it does not. If you're taking your entries, 
you have your, uh, you have, let's just use easy math. Let's say you have 12 dogs. That's going to be three casts, three, four dog casts. All we need is three judges. Go through your entries here. Get your, the three judges that you're, you're comfortable with that you want to use, three best guys or, or what, three good solid judges out of that pool. Put them over here on a separate pile. And the next thing, if either any one of these guys are guiding, that's fine. Mark them as guides or what have you. You can put these, stamp these guys, put them on your scorecard right away. Right. Now you've got A, B, and C on three cards here. And now you know you've got three solid judges on each card. If a card, if they still need, uh, if, if uh, any of these casts still need a guide, you pull from your guide entries and draw those. Flip those over, draw them on it, you know. And then after that, the rest of your entries. If you do that, it will it will it will benefit you tremendously. You're not always sure. going to eliminate everything, and that doesn't. We're not suggesting ever suggesting that questions are a bad thing. Right. They're there for a reason. There's procedures there for a reason, and for good reason. And that reason is uh, the intent is so we do get it right. Get the call right. It, it absolutely, but it absolutely helps tremendously getting it right from the start. Right. And that is a, having a good, use of the best judges you have available. That's, That's right. going to help you a whole lot. Not only, sometimes when there is a question in the field or in the woods, in this case, is a lot of your better experienced judges will be able to um, uh, explain the situation and what the rule is. So many times today, I, I, we, do, we fail to do one thing. And that is flip that scorecard right. over and show them what the rule is. That's right. You just want to argue about, I say argue, want to debate about what it is or should be. Turn that scorecard over. We don't see that enough. Once you point it out to them, I usually yeah. remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get into the one, two, threes and the ABCs of going through the question procedure, uh, I made a couple quick notes at the top here. And the first thing is, is pointed out right on our Master Hounds and Hunt Director Checklist and one of the most important rules in our entire rule book, and that's, Rule 14B that tells you the situation's not questioned and notated at the time the judge's decision is made will not be considered. Uh, I guess the first step of, of uh, the questioning procedure is making sure you have a question. Uh, so, so make sure that if, 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 if uh, something arises in the woods, be sure you question it at the time it happens and be sure it's notated on the card. And the judge doesn't have the power to say, no, no question. If, if you have a question, they have to put the question mark on the card. That's their job. It is. Absolutely is. Right. And, uh, and and it's an imperative to question it right away. You know, don't right. you know if you if you don't agree with the way a tree is scored or what have you, and before you walk away, uh, here again, this is where good judges come in. They will let you know how they'll let the cast know how a tree is scored, sure. and not everybody does. There's not a rule that says they have to, but you know the good judges will. You know, but uh, and if they don't, if you have a judge that doesn't, and you don't know how the tree is being scored. Make sure you know before you walk away from him. It's not that hard to find out. Yep. You know, um, um, most of the most of the casts you're going to be on are going to have a hunting judge. You know, so it's going to be a voting procedure unless you the, every you know majority sees the coon uh, or the sees the raccoon. Let's say you don't see the raccoon, uh, you're going to decide on how this tree is going to get scored. Other two options are going to be minus or circle. Um, so that's going to require a vote, right? You know, so uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and and the reason that that's so important and it's in the Master of Hounds checklist, the read before a hunt, is that 
us, UKC, and the the host club and the event officials, we're all bound by the same rules and procedures that are in this rule book. It, we can't go outside of these rules and it, procedures. It is. And another way you're going to eliminate a lot of your uh, questions and issues is when we talk about this vote and voting on scoring a tree, what have you. Vote. Vote, vote. the way it should be. Vote. It's score dogs. Yep. Score dogs. You know, if you're if you're using this opportunity, if you and I are buddies and we're trying to help each other here, you can guess what? It it takes it takes too long to create a a good reputation. It yep. ta- doesn't take long at all to ruin a, a good reputation, and it can happen in these nights on score dogs. You know, if it's a slick tree, vote to vote to minus it. Whether your dog has first tree or doesn't matter, where it treed on whatever, get it right. You know, and if you do that, I think you're going to gain so much respect, and it also eliminates a lot of issues throughout. It sets the standard for hunts. That's right. It's just score dogs. That's what we're out here for. Absolutely. That's right. Don't yeah. vote to necessarily just to benefit your whatever benefits yourself. That's not the, that's not the intent of it. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and, and one other thing that's, that's pointed out in the, in the master rounds checklist that may be important for people to make note of is that when questions arise in the woods, um, unless it's a scratching offense, you complete your hunt and bring it back to the official to get sorted out after the hunt's over. If right. it's a scratching offense, that's whenever you'd call a halt and take it back for school, for a for a, a resolution right away. Yeah. Before you can continue on the hunt. Right. Right. So let's get let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. Step one: first thing you got to do if a question arises in the woods, and you talked about it already, is a cast vote. Ask for a vote. Ask for a vote. Just you guys, just talking about it, uh, discussing it, or whatever is not necessarily a vote. If you don't agree with it, the way it's being scored, ask ask for a vote, and that's as simple as hey, judge. I want to ask for a vote here. That's right. And the judge has no, that's his job to, right. uh, uh, you know. And if there is any question, you know, if somebody, they may have somebody that is a little green, doesn't know what to do or whatever. Here again, that's where a good judge comes in. There's not a rule for it, but that's where a good judge will say, okay, stop, guys. This guy's question, let's, we got to vote. Right. Can't just, I can't just put a question on it. We got to do step one. We got to vote on it. Yes. And any, any good master of hounds, if you hear if you hear them come back to the clubhouse, that's the first thing they're going to ask is, "Well, how did everybody vote?" Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, and and you alluded to it earlier a little bit, I believe, is that each handler must vote. If you look at Rule 14B, or they take the or their dog will be scratched from the hunt. That's true. That's true. Now there there's a good point. Let's insert something here. But I don't know if you have notes on it or not, but uh, let's say you have a situation you don't know how to vote. You don't have really have an opinion. Or you don't know how to vote. Should I vote in favor of a dog or in favor of a handler? Or what's what should I do? You know, I don't right. really have an opinion here. I could go either way. This is the one thing I always suggest. Okay, and it goes back to selecting those judges. Yep. Um, you should trust. You know, the club selected them for a reason here. That they trust their their um, integrity. Right. Knowing the rules, this and that. Unless you see something that you absolutely don't agree with the way the judge is ruling on it, why are you voting against the judge the way the judge ruled right. on it? It's something yeah. to think about. If you're on the fence with it, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's, a, great, that's a good point. I use that quite a bit, and I think it's a good good way to look at it. It is. Yeah. And, and Or if you didn't see it. Sometimes you're asked to vote on something that you didn't see. Dog fights is one of them. You had a dog fight before you got in there, or somebody saw it, but you just didn't. Why are you voting against the judge if you have no good reason to? Yeah, yeah, and and if if it take if you take it to a cast vote, then it, and 
in most all instances in our rule book, it takes a majority mm-hmm. of, a, of the cast to overrule the judge's uh, call. Right? Correct. Correct. There's a couple instances where it doesn't, uh, right? It was the score, score in a tree and also our the new Babylon rule that was implemented in 2019 yeah. right? at that yeah. time. You can, yeah. so there's a couple instances, but in most cases it's going to take, and, and oftentimes it's going to take uh, uh, outvoting and a majority of the cast to outvote the judge to overturn his rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, you've taken your cast vote, uh, and if you're not satisfied with the with how the cast vote turns out, then at that time, you're going to ask for a question to be put on the card to take back to the master hounds. Easy, or simple. Yep. Arguing is not, uh, the rules doesn't say, hey, sit, stop, and argue about it with everybody. No. Yep. Ask for a question. That's simple. Does it say to uh, Facebook message Alan? No. No. It does not. <laughs> okay. Just just put a question on the card yeah. and take it back to exactly. the beneficiary. Just ask to put a question simple on the scorecard. Don't here, have to argue. And here again, the judge has no... He has to put a question right. mark, regardless of how frivolous he thinks it is, put a question mark on the scorecard. Right. Let the event official sort it out. If you're doing your job. Just put the question mark and in there again, and move they, on with they it. They do make mistakes sometimes. Right. You know, judgment calls are judgment calls, but, um, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes they do get it wrong, and that's what it's for. Right. And there, it's not entirely uncommon for me to read a rule in here and you to read a rule and have two different interpretations. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Question it and get the correct interpretation and get it sorted out. And here again, oftentimes, too often, it becomes something it should not. They want to argue about instead of just following these procedures. Here again is where that good judge comes in. Doesn't allow that to happen. Absolutely. So so one thing we're not going to expound on too much today, but it is important to note here a little bit is the two different formats that we have in place, the Master Hounds format and the Hunt Director format, because it has a bearing on this next step that we take. Mm-hmm. So step two I have here after a cast vote is to bring the question back to the Master of Hounds. Obviously, that's only in a Master of Hounds format. Uh, so uh, when you get back to the club, you're turning in the scorecard. You're going to tell the Master of Hounds we have a question, uh, and you're going to attempt to resolve it with the Master of Hounds, the judge, and the members of the cast, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have a question, you're obligated, even if you didn't win the cast, you're obligated to go back. That's right. That's right. And then the Master of Hounds will, will hear everyone's side of the story, get all the information they can, and make the, the decision with the information they have available to them. That's right. Uh, one note it has in the rule book is that uh, no complaints will be considered by the Master of Hounds after a period of 30 minutes as elapsed from the time the scorecard has been turned in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one thing to keep in note to get back there with the, with the card. So moving on to step three, uh, that was a pretty simple step there, but moving on to step three, which is also the next step in a hunt record format because we skipped the Master of Hounds step, but uh, would be if you're not uh, satisfied with the Master of Hounds ruling, you can uh, request a panel to be formed. Yeah, and you do that right after the Master of Hounds made his ruling. Now there's where it's going uh, to cost you a fee, and it's a, it's a $10 fee. Right. And it's not about the money. It's just to eliminate the frivolous ones. And you know what? You should, you should if you, before you do that, Always encourage you guys, make sure you have a legitimate right. question. And a lot of that has to do with the rules. Right. Rule book. Yep. Rule book. Have something that you can back your, uh, you know, your, your complaint on. Right. Your argument on it. Yep. Something within the rules. Not just, don't use it just to try every avenue you can. That's not the intent of it. But, uh, absolutely. Uh, and if you do, absolutely. That's yeah. what it's there for, to get it right. That's right. And uh, so, so a panel that's, that's comprised of a, either the master hounds or hunt director forming a three-person panel of responsible, impartial individuals. That's what it calls out in the rule book. You have to, somebody with no skin in the game, should you say, but also has a little bit of a bearing on the rules in the rule book. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it'll tell you the, the qualifications in the rule book for a panel. Right, right. And so you, you mentioned the $10 fee after the panel hears the, 
hears all sides, makes comes to their conclusion and makes their decision, then uh, then we'll figure out what happens with that ten dollars. If if they rule with the side of the handler with the question, then he's going to actually get his feedback. Correct. And if he doesn't, then the host club retains that ten dollars for the trouble Correct. of putting together the Correct. panel fee. Correct. Uh, uh, immediately after uh, the panel is done, if, if the next step, if you disagree with the panel's decision, you have the ability to uh, appeal, appeal it to UKC after that. And you have to do that while the panel's still assembled because it's going to take some paperwork filled out by members of the panel, the master, hounds, hunt director, and also the members. Yeah, and this is important. If you noted what Trevor has uh, just said there is that it needs to be done while the panel is still assembled. Right. So the way, it, the way it's going to work, the panel's going to sit here at a table with the cast, uh, the four handlers or however many there are with the three panel members, they make their decision. They render their decision. Uh, if I don't agree with it right at that point, I should say thank you, but I'm, I would like to exercise the next, uh, my next step. And, and that goes for anybody that doesn't agree yeah. with their decision. And I want to appeal your decision. Now it's going to cost you 20, is it 20 dollars? 20 dollars. And they will give you the form. You fill out the form. Part of the reason for this is to get all. So UKC now has all their information that right. they need, what the scenario is, what the question is, how the panel ruled, and who the panel members are and their contact numbers. So they can, the reason for that is so they send that in with their event report to UKC to make the final uh, decision on it. But then we have everything here documented that we can contact everybody. It does not work. Once you go, you leave the table, you go outside, your buddy says, boy, you should have sent in, you should have done the appeal. Da, 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 da. Come on, Trevor, you, you need to go back in and it. No, you don't need to be influenced. That's not what it's about. Right. Just uh, don't let anybody influence you that wasn't directly involved. All that does is muddies the waters. And we've Folks alluded nothing. And we've alluded to it a little bit already a couple of times when talking about this procedure. There's a civil way to do it. If you just don't agree with someone's opinion on the rule interpretation, then Move yeah. to the next step and do it yeah. respectfully and don't yeah. cause a big scene. doesn't have to be that. People disagree. That's where they make the biggest mistake is want to argue about it. Just follow the procedures that are already there. Yeah. It's not rocket science. We That's can right. all do it. That's right. Uh, so, so like you said, $20 appeal fee. Once it gets to us, we'll take the information that we've gathered. It comes in with the home report. They'll send it in with the event report. You're talking about the fee. And, yeah. and the appeal form. Yep. And we'll have all the information there. Uh, we'll go through all the panel stuff. Uh, uh, do our investigation, and after that's over with, if if we decide to to rule in the favor of the handler, we'll actually give you your twenty bucks back. Otherwise, correct. It's, it's kept with us, yeah. and then I think we send out an official letter with our ruling to all the members involved, and that letting them know what uh, what our conclusion was. It's a it's a really simple process in black and white if you break it down and just read it. Correct, right. it is, and it's in the rule book, and it's actually on the back of the scorecard. You can't miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, just real quick, just to hit on it, non-hunting judge cast. If you have a non-hunting judge on the cast, it's uh, eerily similar to this. Besides the cast vote, right? It's the only thing is eliminated is the cast vote. Right, it goes There's, directly to a question or not. That's right. Everything There's no else cast votes and overturn the non-hunting judge's rule in the field. You just you question it, bring it back, say, and then you go through these exact same procedures, unless it's a major event where there's uh, no panel or appeal process, right. like a world championship or tournament right. champions. Yeah, so I hope everybody kind of takes uh, the question procedure into into consideration because, like we mentioned, it, our hands are bound by the same rules and procedure, procedures there are. So if you don't follow those right procedures, then 
we can't help you. Yeah, and that's important. It's it's they're there for a reason. The procedures are there for a reason. And I've had it over the years. I've had it, and I've had to disappoint guys. You know, in the appeal procedure, when I found that they didn't vote, right, or they didn't uh, they didn't uh, request an appeal. You know, when the panel was still assembled, they might have waited twenty minutes, went outside, and talked to their buddies. No. And you know what? I may have been in favor of them being correct. Yeah. Guess what? All that doesn't matter. And I always tell them, you know, our our hands are bound by the same rules that there are. And they're they're in there for a reason. Yeah. You know, and there's timelines like that for for good reason. Right. Uh otherwise, uh it things get too muddy. Right. Yeah. So I think that was good to talk about the question procedure before we ever get into any rule interpretations. But I think mm-hmm. and then in the coming weeks and in our, in our next uh, Coonhound episodes that you see released, we'll probably talk about some rules out there that are hot button issues that I think we need to get in, go into depth on, uh, such as, you know, tree and but not declared tree versus rule 5B, uh, dog coming in after the judge arrives. 5B, 5B, 5B. <laughs> Stay tuned for that one because that's one that is missed often but talked about quite a bit. So that will, uh, We'll uh, knock that. We'll give them an interpretation and knock out all the theories on that one and give them the 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 correct one. It and is, the, and and yeah. if if you're like me, I love good rules discussions. I love talking about rules, and we're going to take advantage of this platform and really do that over the next few months. You're going to see a lot of rules stuff. Yeah, and hopefully it will help the sport. You know, being able to listen to some of this stuff and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, go more in depth than you might when you're writing. Uh, absolutely things and uh hopefully it'll be good and i think it will be yeah absolutely so hopefully you guys enjoyed this one and uh hopefully you stay tuned for uh, some of our future episodes thanks for listening to the ukc hunting ops podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow ukc hunting ops on facebook and instagram